Shalom Aleichem and welcome. I'm Shoshana, a.k.a. Zippor Ish, which simply means firebird in Hebrew. Studying and living God's Torah is the fire of my life. Studying God's Torah without application to our lives is meaningless, however. Proverbs tells us that the Torah is life to our very bones. The object of God's word is to change us into the image of the Moshiach, who is the living Torah, so that we can be effective witnesses of God and for His glorious kingdom. Each of these podcasts is the results of God's pruning process in my life, and as I look back through the years, He has done a work in me, but I am still far from perfect. I am trying, though. What parent will turn away from a child who fails, but is at least trying to follow their parents' instructions? We have to try. There is no place for not even trying. We are going to search out the historical and cultural settings so that we can gain the true meaning, because cultures change, mores change, and influences change through the centuries. But God's instructions and expectations of His children never change. Now, before we go any further into the podcast, let's begin with the blessing we speak before opening and studying God's Word. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bacharbanu mikol ha'amim, veinatan lanu et torato. Baruch atah Adonai, notein ha-Torah. Amen. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God. King of the universe, who has selected us from all the nations and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. And the blessing over the good news study. Baruch ata Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, natan torat emet vebesorot Yeshua leamo Israel ulchol haamim al yede bene Yeshua hamoshiach Adonenu. Amen. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who gives the good news of salvation to his people Israel and to all the peoples through his son Yeshua, the Messiah, our Lord. How many of you have the one thing from your childhood or teenage years that has so many memories attached to it? Thinking about it just now brought a smile to your lips. Those are the things that we hold dear to our hearts. We have something of so much greater value, but few really understand how truly precious that something is. Yeshua tells a parable about a man who finds a pearl of great price in a field. Recognizing its worth, he sells all he has to buy the field so that he can honestly procure the pearl. There are several ideas of what this parable was referring to, but when putting it in the context of the many other parables Yeshua told, it makes sense that we are the pearl of great price. Did Yeshua come to earth to redeem the lost? We are the lost sheep, and Yeshua counted it worth it all to give up so that he could buy us with his blood. But what is that something we have that is worth more than everything? That something is the heart of God. What? You may be thinking. Yes, we have the heart of God. 
and it is written on lambskin and rolled up into a scroll. Now you may be thinking, I'm really pulling things out of a hat, but I can explain. Let me share again from the Hebrew letters and words that God gave us His heart, soul, written on a stone and later written on lambskin. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, we read, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the abode of slavery. One of the Hebrew words for I is anochi, which has a very incredible meaning. In most cases, God is the main user of this form for one very special reason. Anochi means, I give you my soul in writing. When we hold a Torah book or scroll, we are holding the very heart of God. Imagine the pain it causes God when people say that the Torah is no longer applicable for believers since the death and the resurrection of the Jewish Messiah. I've titled this podcast, Hold the Word, Dear. Our scripture focus is Joshua chapters 15 through 23. As that is too many chapters to quote, I will summarize. These chapters tell of the portioning out of the land to the tribes of Israel. It is a long and drawn out, seemingly boring part of the story, but I see a pattern appearing. While the people traveled through the desert, they surrounded the tabernacle, with the tabernacle being the center of their life. The priests came camped on each of the four sides right next to the tabernacle, performing their duties in the tabernacle. I believe that part of the reason they were placed there was so that they could learn their positions without hindrance and distractions. But after they inherited the land of promise, they were distributed throughout the land to live among the people. In this distribution, they were now responsible for being the example to the people of how they were to live. A reminder of the importance of keeping faithful to God, even though they might be a great distance from the tabernacle. As time went on, the people became unfaithful to God, varying in degree, depending on how far they were from the tabernacle or the temple. During the time of the latter judges, it appears that even the priests were no longer fulfilling their responsibilities within the tribes. So God brought hardship to them to cause them to turn back. This is not to say that all the priests or people went bad. There was always a remnant that stayed true, usually those that were closest to where God's presence dwelt. This is one of the reasons the the writer of Hebrews admonished the believers to stay close in fellowship and studying of God's Word. This brief survey brings to mind the history of what is called the body of Messiah. Corporately and individually, Yeshua tells us that we are salt and light to the world in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, just as the priests were to the people. As long as we stay faithful to God and His Torah instructions, we are an example to those around us. If we distance ourselves from the Torah instructions and God, from God's holy days, we no longer impact those around us to desire to serve God. The further removed the Israelites got from the teachings of God and His house, the more they were led astray into the ways of the surrounding pagan Gentile nations. 
so much so that God eventually cursed the tribe of Dan. They were the tribe to the farthest north and very cut off from the house of God by distance. They chose to associate with those closest to them and thus were totally led astray. But the tribe of Dan was not the only tribe that distanced themselves from the temple. Reuben, God, and the half-tribe of Manasseh chose to stay on the east side of the Jordan and were fair game for the Assyrians. If we distance ourselves from the Torah instructions and the biblical calendar of God, our only choice is to associate with those around us who are following the culture of Satan's kingdom. When this happens, our lives, the temple of the Holy Spirit, becomes defiled and unfit for the presence of God to dwell. For the nation of Israel, this happened over a period of many years. It also takes time for it to happen in our lives and religious organizations after coming to the knowledge of God's word. When it does, then God has to clean house. Looking back through religious history, you can see where God has had to clean house many times, corporately and individually. Each time the house of God, spiritually speaking, gets defiled, it is because we have distanced ourselves from God's Torah and calendar. May we learn from the life of Israel and realize how important is our responsibility to stay close to God and His Torah teachings for covenant life. In this way, we can still be the salt and the light in the corrupt world instead of being led astray into the world. When we read the Psalms of David, we see a man who knew how to hold the Torah dear to his heart. Psalm 119 is a declaration of his love for God's holy Torah. We know some of the verses contained in this chapter, but we are but are we really understanding his words within the context of 900 BCE? At this time there is the Torah Moses' instructions on how to follow the Torah, books that record the capture of the land of Canaan, and the books by Samuel. There were no prophetic books except the book of Enoch, and there were the oral stories passed down through the tribes of the history of the world. So when King David is talking about God's precepts, statutes, laws, and decrees, he is talking about Torah and Moses' instructions on how to follow the Torah. As king of Israel, he very well understood the importance of following God's instructions because the success of Israel and his kingship depended on his and their obedience to it. When we look in any of the large concordances, we find that the 119th chapter of Psalms uses the word law 27 times. So if Psalms is an important part of your Bible reading, then this should be of import to you also. This psalm is actually a poem of sorts. Each group of verses begin with the letters of the alphabet. The first eight verses all begin with the letter Aleph. The next group of eight verses begin with Beit, and so on for the whole chapter. He starts this chapter with two very important verses the introductory verses that set the tone for the whole chapter. Verse 1 says, How happy are those whose way of life is blameless, who live by the Torah of Adonai. How happy are those who observe his instructions, who seek him wholeheartedly. 
Then he established the fact that those who obey God's Torah can live blamelessly. Blamelessly. Verse 3 says, They do nothing wrong, but live by his ways. How often do we hear someone say, Well, God knew that we couldn't obey his Torah. And yet, David right here says that if we follow God's Torah, we can live blamelessly. If what King David is really saying can be true, then it is possible to live without sin when we obey God's Torah. Of course, we know that few are able to control their sin nature so completely, but it doesn't give us permission to let the sin nature rule with impunity. David is telling us that when we love God's word so dearly that we are willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to walk blameless before God, then we can. We've all heard the phrase, mind over matter. The real issue is that we don't want to die to our selfish agenda. Nothing in God's Torah is impossible to do. What kind of parent would establish rules for their children that they knew their children were unable to obey? When we say that God knew we could not obey his rules, what are we saying about God? Can we really afford to call God an abusive parent? The second group of verses beginning with bait start with the verse 9 that says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. God's word is his Torah and his verbal instructions to Moses. Verse 10 says, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your mitzvot commandments. Again, mitzvot means connections, not commandments. God's word gives us ways to connect with him by following his Torah instructions. Verse 11 is a verse that every child learns in Sunday school, but it is never taught in context. I treasure your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. Why do we hold his word dear? So we won't break his Torah by our actions or thoughts. If one says they are God's children, but they don't believe they have to obey the Torah, are they really God's children? In the next section, Gimel, start with a verse 17. Focusing on verses 18 through 20, it says, Open my eyes so that I will see wonders from your Torah. Though I'm just a wanderer on the earth, don't hide your mitzvot from me. I am continually consumed with longing for your rulings. In these verses, we can see why God called King David the apple of his eye. His heart's desire truly reveals his love for God and his understanding that without God's rulings, mitzvot, instructions, precepts, ways, and laws, he is just another average wandering man. But with God's Torah, he is a mighty warrior over the evil ways of the pagan world outside of God's covenant. Do you love God's Torah with this kind of intensity? Or is it just a book of history and stories? 
Rabbi Shaul, Paul, admonishes us to study, to show ourselves approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, so that we can correctly understand and teach the principles of God's Torah instructions. We see that in 2 Timothy verse, chapter 2, verse 15. Let's investigate the meanings of the words David uses in his love song for God's Torah. Let's take a look at some of the verses of Psalms 119. In verse 1 of chapter 119, he introduces this song by identifying that God's Torah is the love of his life. As I said earlier, law is used 27 times, so what we learn about this word will reveal just how important it is to God that we follow his Torah as one of his redeemed children. Torah is derived from an archery word, matara, as explained in Strong's Concordance 43.7. Its general meanings are purpose, goal, objective, aim, cause, or mark. How interesting is it that the first word in the list is purpose? Are we all not asking, what is God's purpose or will for my life? When we look at the Torah as God's purpose for our lives, it starts to make sense why Satan, cursed be he, would try to convince us that the Torah of God is no longer in effect. When we look honestly at the English translations of the Bible, we see all of the words in this list used throughout the Gospels and the letters of the Apostles. But what is not pointed out is that they all point to the Torah, God's purpose for our lives. Taking this back to David's song, uh, we see that he understood that the law collectively called Torah is of God is his best choice for his reason for living. We've heard it said that sin is missing the mark. Torah is the target, the mark, and sin is missing that mark of Torah. Thus, sin is breaking the Torah of God, and by this we have missed God's purpose for our lives. Our goal is to walk in the righteousness of God. That goal is Torah. Our objective in living for God is to be a witness of the gospel, but if we have missed the mark of Torah, how can we truly walk in righteousness? If our aim is to obey Yeshua, Yeshua is the living example of Torah, and if we reject Torah for our life plan, Yeshua is of no avail for us. If our cause is to be representatives for God, but we reject God's Torah, what kind of a representatives are we? The next word to explore is instructions. The, there are three Hebrew words. Haderacha, Chora'ah, and Limud. David tells us those who observe God's instructions will have a happy existence. Of course, life throws us many opportunities to be miserable, but when our understanding of God's purpose is ingrained in us, we understand that God is faithful to fulfill his promises to those who obey his Torah. So, Haderacha means training guidance, instruction, teaching, direction, briefing. Hora'a means teaching, instructions, directive, school teaching, prescripts, or prescription. Limud means tuition, instruction, teaching, stave, that's an old English word, learning and study. 
The Jewish Talmud is compiled as a source of learning and study, and Limud is the root word for Talmud. We get the word Talmid, which is translated as disciple from the word Talmud. To be true disciples of Yeshua is to learn and obey God's Torah and oral instructions given through Moses. Ways is the next word. Yeshua told us he was the way, the truth, and the life. The Hebrew root word is derek. There are two other words, nativ and orach. How interesting that nativ reminds us of a native. In conjunction to the Native American tribes, they say they follow the way of the earth. And orach, it sounds like oracle. Oracle is one who teaches mysteries. Coincidence? I doubt it. Derek or derek means way, road, path, manner, route, course. Native means path, lane, route, pathway, track, or way. Orach means path, way, route, manner, mode, and pass. We can see that David is telling us by association that the only way to live in God's grace is to be walking the righteous path, way, derech, of Torah. Our fourth word to explore is precepts. There are four words in the Hebrew. Torah, which sounds a lot like Horah, means teaching, instruction, directive, school teaching, prescript, and prescription. Mitzvah means commandment, connection, behest, precept, obligation, law. Edut means testimony, evidence, attestation, or attestation, not quite sure. Deposition, law, and precept. And the fourth one is pikud, which means properly or appointed. In this verse, the word used for precept is mikud from the word pikud. So David is telling us that all of God's instructions are proper and have been appointed for his children to obey. In this instance, David is confirming that God has laid out the path of Torah and we must be diligent to observe and obey it. In verse 5, it reads, May my ways, Derek, be steady in observing your laws. The Hebrew word in this verse translated law is chukat. Chukat means laws given by God that we can find no reason for. Parents often say, because I said so. It is something that we have to obey in faith, believing at some point God will tell us why. There are many rules that parents make for their little children that they have to obey without knowing why, simply because they are not old enough to understand why. When we consider how immense God is, there is so much that we are unable to understand, and God expects us to obey in faith that when we are quote-unquote older, we will come to understand. David is asking God to keep him on a steady trajectory because there are things he must do by faith because he loves God. The sixth word to look at is commandments. However, this choice of words is a terrible one considering what the Hebrew word is and means. The Hebrew word in this verse is mitzvot, 
and is related to the Aramaic word tzavta, meaning to attach or join. It has been translated as commandments into English, but this provides a very distorted understanding of what God is really asking his children. When we do one of God's instructions, we are essentially connecting ourselves to his very heart and soul, since the Torah is God's soul written down on stone and lambskin. When we reject God's Torah, we are breaking our connection with him. When we, in love for him, accept and obey his Torah, we are making connections with him and are intensifying our testimony regarding Yeshua, the Savior and Lamb of God. In the seventh verse, I thank you with a sincere heart as I learn your righteous rulings. The word rulings is translated from the Hebrew word mishpat. The meaning of mishpat is judgment, justice, ordinance, right, R-I-G-H-D, restitude, decision as in law, right, privilege, proper, fitting, measure, fitness as in appropriate, custom, manner, and plan. David is saying that all of God's ways are fair and right. So he thanks God for each one as he comes to see and understand God's truth and compassion. Verse verse 8 says, I will observe your laws. Don't completely abandon me. This verse In this verse, the word laws is translated from the previous word, chukat. In review, it means laws given by God that we can find no reason for, that we just have to trust and obey. As we can see from King David's words, he has accepted upon himself all the words of God's Torah. God's Torah is not impossible to obey when we recognize the different sections and how they apply to different people groups within the life of Israel. If we truly love God, our spirit and our soul yearn to walk in the ways of God's Torah. It is our fallen animalistic soul, the nephesh soul, that throws off limitations because it wants to do whatever pleases it. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that our spirit and our neshama, the godly soul that Rabbi Shaul talks about, can overcome the fallen animalistic soul, thereby being able to obey God's mitzvot, chukat, mishpat, mikud, and derek, with joy, love, long-suffering, patience, dot, 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 dot. Take these words with you as you read the rest of Psalm 119 and see how broad the scope of meaning and how it will intensify what David is trying to convey. To better understand God's words, knowing the history and culture context is a must or we will misconstrue the principles and likely will miss the true teachings. The true source of Yeshua's teachings is the writings of Moses passed down through the centuries by the priests and the judges of Israel. These are the writings to study to understand God's word in proper context. It was said by someone regarding Rabbi Shaul, Paul, don't read Shaul's writings until you have read the scrolls and books that he taught from. 
Most all of his letters find their source in the writings of the sages of Israel as he was trying to teach the new converts of a new Judaism based on Yeshua as the final Messiah. The more I learn from the ancient books, the more Shaul's letters come into clarity. Nothing Shaul wrote contradicted the teachings of Torah or the teachings of the sages when what he wrote is understood through the eyes of one who knows the ancient writings. If Yeshua did not come to abolish the Torah, then Rabbi Shaul would have not would not have the authority either. If you are still looking for a way that releases you from following God's complete instructions, God will let you continue in your chosen path. But you will miss all that he has planned for you. You will be settling for second best and will continue to be a victim of the attack from the kingdom of darkness. To live in the covenant of Torah is to have liberty from and victory over the kingdom of Satan. Will you start treasuring God's Torah in your heart as Psalms 119 verse 11 says? Will you hold his word dear to your heart and start living in the liberty of the Torah covenant as Yeshua's death made possible? The closer we hold his Torah, the harder it will be for the kingdom of darkness to lead us back into slavery to the darkness of sin. The priests were the teachers of God's Torah among the people. When these teachers stopped teaching the truth and started mixing Torah with the teachings of the pagan nations around them, God allowed the surrounding nations to afflict them until they returned and cried out to him in repentance for abandoning his Torah. But it took exile before the majority repented. Please don't let it get that far before you turn and accept the path that God gave his children to walk in his protection and provision. O oh God, forgive us for being weak-minded, letting our selfish animal nature dictate how we will live. You know our humanness and you also know our hearts, that they are desperately wicked. Create in us a heart that hungers for you, for we in ourselves would never desire to know you. It is only through your Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, that we come to realize how important it is to you that we follow your holy Torah. Take our hand like a father takes the hand of a toddler and help us to walk the path that leads to life and liberty. Your Torah is the way, the truth, and those who follow it will find everlasting life. Thank you for not abandoning us in our ignorance. Thank you that you will lead us when we take hold of your Torah covenant and start studying to show ourselves approved instead of being ashamed when we stand in your heavenly courtroom on that great day of the Lord. Amen. Let us finish with a blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher natan lanu Torah emet Vechaye olam nata betocheinu Baruch atah Adonai noten ha Torah Amen Blessed are you Adonai our God king of the universe who gave us the Torah of truth and implanted eternal life within us. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. And a new blessing for finishing our good news study. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, king of the universe, our king, redeemer, savior, and shield, 
who sent Mashiach Yeshua, the King of Israel, to ransom your beloved ones. Blessed are you, Adonai, who renews his covenant in love. If you truly want to be a disciple of Yeshua, you can start by feasting daily on Yeshua, by studying what God's Torah requires of you as his child. This is how you can abide in Yeshua and his words can abide in you. And he says that you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. When God's will has become your will, then God will fulfill his will in and through you. You can be the, tr the trusted servant who was given the ten talents to be used for the kingdom, the king's purposes. You can start growing in your knowledge and understanding of God's word by watching the live stream feed of Sar Shalom Synagogue every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Sar Shalom Synagogue, My Sar Shalom, YouTube, has video recordings going back at least five years. I suggest starting with the messages from the last Shabbat of October 2016. These messages start with Genesis, which is the best place to start if you want to see how Yeshua fits within the whole of the Bible narrative. You can also tune in to Lapid Judaism with Rabbi Mordechai Griffin on YouTube Live for the daily Al and Aliyah a day teaching each day, Monday through Friday at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time or on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. There are several resources I would like to recommend if you are ready for a deeper personal study. The Art Scroll Humash or the Kehot Humash, which is the five books of Moses. In these books, you will find commentary that you have never heard before. Everyday Holiness by Alan Morinus for further study in a life that reflects the attributes, the fruit that produces, that, God, that Yeshua is looking for in his followers. The Path of the Just by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzado, also known as Ramchal. This book will teach you how to live righteously in your daily lives. Chofetz Chaim, Daily Wisdom. This will teach you how to guard your words and to bring life instead of death with your words. The Messiah Texts by Raphael Patai, P-A-T-A-I, can expand your knowledge of the Messiah figure as he was discussed by many learned Jewish scholars through the millennia before and after Yeshua. You will be able to understand why some of the spiritual leaders were able to miss his first coming. If you have the Anchor app on your cell phone, you can access the teachings of Emmet, a.k.a. Shomerman, or Supertime, Thomas and Jenea Town for more clarity and deep insights into God's Word. I also want to encourage you to purchase a Bible that is Judaism-centered instead of those translated through the Greek focus. Much is lost in translation from the Greek manuscripts. My favorite at the moment is still the Tree of Life. The Dalich Hebrew Gospels published by Vine of David is another great resource for seeing how the Hebrew idioms are explained in their proper perspective. There are, are several others available. If you find, you can find a list of helpful resources at mysarshalom.com. Shalom and have a blessed week.